Hello, everyone, and welcome to our webinar. My name is Nick Gates, and I'm a program manager at Public Digital, a digital transformation consultancy based in London, where I lead our partnership with ODI as co-lead of the Digital Public Finance Hub. How's that ODI? The Digital Public Finance Hub is a joint initiative between ODI and Public Digital, funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. This is our first webinar in our new Budget Bite series through the Hub, uh, which we hope to use to look more in depth at some of the frontier topics and issues in public financial management reform for the digital era. But today, for our first webinar, we are going to be talking about data exchange, or the smooth and secure flow of information and data across both governmental and private sector entities. Data exchange is increasingly a big component of the conversations around how governments build digital public infrastructure, or DPI, the common rails on which much of public sector service delivery is built. The DPI conversations are especially relevant for public financial management, or PFM. In response to a need for fiscal data exchange solutions in the PFM ecosystem, the eGov Foundation, co-sponsors of this webinar, has over the last few years been developing iFix, an open source fiscal information and data exchange platform that standardizes fiscal events. More on that later. This standardization process allows for more seamless data and information sharing arrangements between government departments and different layers of government. Using the standardized fiscal events concept as a foundation, this webinar will overview some of the potential advantages of the iFix solution for PFM, but then move on to talk about the possibilities for standardization to improve flows of data and improve PFM decision-making more broadly. We will have five speakers today. We will start with a brief presentation and overview of the landscape for fiscal data exchange and fiscal data exchange standards from Lorena Rivero del Paso, who is a public financial manager management advisor at the IMF. After that, we will turn it over to Prashant Chandramuliswaran, Associate Director for the Public Financial Management Mission at the eGov Foundation in Bangalore, India, for a detailed presentation of iFix and the technology that underpins it. Finally, we will conclude with an in-depth panel discussion where Lorena and Prashant will be joined by a panel of experts to talk about fiscal data exchange standards and the possibilities therein more in depth. Um, but for now, I want to turn it over to Lorena, uh, who can give us a bit of an introduction to the concept of fiscal data exchange standards and where they fit into current discourses around data exchange and public finance. Um, as a reminder, Lorena is a, a PFM advisor at the IMF, where she has been since 2020. An expert in public financial management, she has worked to improve government performance, open up government and combat corruption from both government positions and as an international consultant. Um, for the IMF, Lorena worked at the Global Initiative for Fiscal Transparency and was Director General of Performance Monitoring in the Ministry of Finance and Public Credit in Mexico. Lorena, over to you. Thank you very much. As you can see, talking about data standards for at least more than 10 years. So uh, lovely to be with you here. Thank you for inviting me. Um, Today I have a presentation. I have been asked to deliver a beautiful presentation of the around landscape where the countries are around the data exchange in public financial management and a bit of concepts around this because we do see a lot of confusion or a lot of um, countries and governments entering this field and it's a new field. We are experts in public finance, not always in data exchange. So I hope this this uh, useful. Uh, presentation for for all the participants so first of all i already told you this is what we are going to be talking about so current trends around fiscal data sharing within national governments so this goes back to which countries already have financial management information systems 
So the World Bank did this uh, survey. It's the, it's the Gothic data set of the World Bank. It's from 2022. And what they find is that 100 of these 198 countries that they surveyed is that they already have financial management information systems that cover more than budget execution. So at least you have treasury, you have budget preparation, and you have other functions in the FMIS. However, within this, only 72% of the FMIS exchange data with other systems. What does this mean? Um, this is our current setup. We have budget preparation in, in one model. We have budget execution in a separate model, usually disconnects with treasury management. Public investments and public execution often are systems that are connected, but not always. So the current setup is a very siloed uh, landscape of PFM functions uh, covered with digital solutions. Uh, we recently had a workshop on the digital solutions guidelines that we're preparing. And in this survey, we had 30 countries because we went, we had three workshops, one in Asia, one in Africa, and one in Latin America. So seven countries in, Viet in, in Vietnam participated from Asia, uh, 13 countries in Africa, and 10 countries in Latin America. And what we found is that overall, the lack of connectivity and interoperability around systems is the utmost concern uh, for all these countries. So what we see is that this current setup is troubling because we can't unlock the, the, what data can give us for data science, for much more use of the data. Um, how do we achieve the data exchange in this context? So we have silos. And here what IFIX is going to show is more on the silos among agencies and different government institutions, because we might have not only one budget execution system, but several budget execution systems that do not connect to centralize the data. So how do we achieve this? Uh, so we have all these landscape and different siloed systems. And through this interoperability exchange and constant layers, we are able to connect the systems without having everything in a core. And this is the approach that we can see how we can map not only the core public financial management data, but also e-procurement, also natural disasters, also commercial banks and central banks. This, this is already talking about government to person payments and so forth. Now, I, I am mentioning data exchange, data interoperability layer, data consent layer. Now, and why am I bringing this up in this webinar? Because the, our, our um, framing is also around DPIs. And in the DPIs, when we're talking about the DPIs in India, it's an, actually a data consent layer. But we're bringing it back and making it, talking about this as a data exchange layer, which is much broader. Data exchange layer is one, data interoperability layer can be another one, and data consent layer is another one. And this all goes to how we have the codes and catalogs, the structure and the architecture of our data. The architecture is the rules of who can access, how the data is managed, the structure is how we are a structuring our database because we still see a lot of PDFs going on in public financial management systems and the codes and catalogs. The codes and catalogs, if we do not have the correct IDs, the keys are our element to allow a connection between systems. Then in this context, we also have to look at the data schemas and the data specifications uh, of our 
protocols that will allow us to do this connection, even if our FMIS was not born to be interconnected. We can achieve this via uh, structuring a data schema that transforms the data for uh, consolidation and centralization. In our framework of the uh, guidelines for digital solutions in PFM, for example, and just to, to give a context, this is the data exchange is within the data architecture and interoperability within the functional attributes. Uh, our framework covers functional IT architectural and governance and management attributes. And as you can see here in principle three, we, we mentioned the data and catalogs, the data structure and data exchange. So giving you this context of why there are different, uh, different parts of this setup to enable data exchange, uh, we can see that these are elements that we need to look at. Um, we have a digital solution guidelines implementation tool, we call it Digit, uh, that looks also at interoperability. So you can check here uh, which systems you have and which systems are already connected because you would like this web to be full, all connected to each other. And eventually seeing this as a, as a full web, a spider web. And there are some tools we are not in a vacuum, fortunately. We have different uh, approaches and solutions. They address different elements. I have the iFix here. So we have codes and catalogs that is the uh, GFS the government financial management statistics, the DFS is already there. Um, we have data schemas going on, the open fiscal data package that has the open spending data schema, the open contracting data standard. And I also have some, some examples from countries here, uh, the data exchange layer from, from Estonia, and of course the DPI, the data layer of India stack that I already mentioned, it's a consent layer as a per se. And there is also a consent building block by the GovStack that is an ITU, uh, Estonia, and GISET initiative. So there are tools out there to make this happen. And this is my whole context. Thank you. Thank you, Lorena, for that great presentation. I think what we see is a lot of the common challenges and in interoperability and in silos that lead to a need for standardization. Um, so on that topic, uh, we wanted to move over to Prashant, who's going to talk a little bit more about an active approach that the Eco Foundation is taking um, to address those issues. Um, so as a reminder, Prashant Chandramuliswaran is an Associate Director uh, for Program Management for the Public Financial Management Mission at the Eco Foundation. Um, Prashant leads the Ego Foundation's work on PFM, um, to which he brings a long career of uh, experience in the social sector. Prashant will speak for a little over 25 minutes around the iFix solution and this concept of standardized fiscal events, um, which will become very important later, um, after which we will start our panel discussion and the panelists will respond. Um, so Prashant, over to you. Well, thank you, Nick, for the lovely introduction. And thank you, Lorena, for the wonderful presentation. I think it definitely helps set the context for why we're talking about um, standards for exchanging information, right, and public finance. So um, good afternoon, everyone from India. I'm uh, Prashant, and I lead the public financial management mission at the EGA Foundation. Um, so the EGA Foundation basically actually has a little over two decades of experience in building digital public goods. But uh, over the course of that journey, uh, what we also understood that just digital public goods uh, to a point is good, but beyond that, we'll actually have to also start building uh, government capacity to ensure that the digital transformation can be owned and managed by them. 
as well as have a thriving ecosystem of marketplace actors who can uh, build on top of a core platform for local governance, which we call it as Digit. Digit is an open source platform. So uh, through these three strategic pillars, we've been able to focus our uh, efforts largely on four major disciplines or uh, themes, as you may look at. On the screen, there is local governance or urban governance, which we've been doing for almost close to two decades. Water and sanitation, public health, public finance, these are relatively newer uh, streams that we've been working on in the last three to four years. Um, through the digit platform, we're actually seeing it being scaled as a country level, a national level platform under the National Urban Digital Mission. And uh, it's currently live in 1,000 plus cities or urban local bodies, but will eventually be live in over 4,400 cities in the country. And the vaccine uh, verification platform that we've had, Dibok, has issued more than 2.3 billion vaccine certificates over the course of the pandemic. So the idea is that we use these open scale, uh, open, uh, open source platforms to scale our impact. And we've been doing that through some of the exemplars in different uh, subnational contexts in India. And we also continue building market capacity where we work with over 100 plus partners. And all of this is currently underpinned by our digit platform, which has a set of core services, which are reusable context independent services that also have uh, shared data registries and a data exchange mechanism to facilitate information to be shared with each other. The toolkit and the knowledge base that we have actually helps uh, marketplace actors to get certified on the platform and use the core to then build domain-specific platforms in different uh, settings so that the government service delivery can be accelerated through digital transformation. Now, given that uh, we have been in the service delivery space for a long time, uh, at Ego, we, we are really passionate. We care about public service delivery, right? So. How did the PFM journey start? Uh, basically, about three years ago, when the mission was set up, we were looking at uh, how technology has definitely helped transform uh, you know, service delivery and at scale as well. But there are also other challenges to service delivery, and some of them uh, lay in the finance domain, in the public finance domain. So the mission was set up at eGov to leverage pl policy platform and ecosystem to uh, identify and solve some of the key PFM problems that we were looking at. And a lot of them had to do with information exchange, right? So we sort of uh, devised the mission on saying that if we're able to have seamless information exchange between different actors in the government, then we can improve the fiscal health of the government as well as the, have that lead to a functioning and responsive service delivery system. So in the view of that, uh, our engagement in Punjab is about five years old. Punjab is a subnational government. Uh, Punjab state government is a subnational government in India. So our engagement there is about five years old, where we started with the service delivery platform. But about two years ago, the then chief secretary, the senior most uh, administrator bureaucrat in the state, invited us to actually look at streamlining the flow of fiscal information to thus uh, expedite service delivery. Right. So in the process what we did was uh, we started looking at who are the different actors in the system, what are the interactions they have with each other, and these interactions, are they facilitated by any technology or digital systems, or is it still manual? And also some of the runtime problems that these actors face, right? So you have different actors in, uh, in the ecosystem. So on one side, you have the funding agencies who are actually not able to link what the outlay is to the output that it's buying on the ground, right? 
or the finance department says that uh, they spend a lot of time because trusted and verifiable information is not available in the system. So they are spending more time on non-value-adding verification steps. And this leads to delays. Or line departments actually come in with uh, different data inputs, but these are not usually comprehensive or even comprehensible. So that leads to multiple queries back to the line department saying, hey, uh, you've sent this data. It includes a total. Does it have tax as part of it or not? Because this, because of these issues, um, there are also concerns, of course, for vendors and frontline workers who are not able to get their payments in time because of these issues actually leading to uh, delays at multiple steps. Now, if we just pulled it one level higher, what we could see was that uh, data flow in the entire ecosystem was slow and limited, which basically meant that at best actors had fragmented and partial information for any kind of decision making. So that automatically poses a lot of challenges, right? So just abstracting it as a pivotal problem, what we found was that the flow of uh, money is actually linked to the flow of information in the reverse direction. And information, uh, as Lorena also mentioned, sometimes it's sitting in siloed systems, hence it's not available for real decision-making where the actors need it. Or uh, what happens sometimes is that uh, there are... Uh, there is data flow. For example, most of the subnational governments in India actually have a single treasury uh, account, and then there's a IFMIS that facilitates payments out of that. But if you uh, look at the major, major challenge there, though, a lot of uh, this data that goes onto the IFMIS is usually manually uploaded and is supported by a parallel flow of a file, a physical file, because the trust in the systems is actually low, the reliability concerns, et cetera, and whatnot. So that also poses a key challenge there for us. And uh, one more important thing is, well, across the whole, uh, across these different actors, information flow, like I said, is partial or fragmented. There is also a key point to consider that when information available is not completely uh, comprehensible or is not comprehensive in itself, it actually leads to significant delays and uh, in decision making. So for the actors or even for the finance department to say that, should I actually go ahead with approving this bill or not? Do I have the necessary information points or the right set of attributes to say, yes, this is a valid expenditure. Let me process that. So these delays then end up affecting citizens. Employees have administrative burdens. Vendors don't get paid on time, and hence services are uh, stopped. So all this becomes like our uh, pivotal problem, where if the information was flowing in time with the right set of attributes, things could definitely be different. So we felt that there is actually a dire need for a trusted um, uh, for trusted data exchange to happen between these different actors, usually funding agencies and implementing agencies. Um, earlier, I called on some of the challenges in terms of having data uh, sent digitally, but also having a parallel flow of files along with it. So we've seen uh, about five levels of digitization in the different contexts that we've worked in. Level zero, of course, being that the file only exists physically. Level one is where uh, we have a scanned copy of the same physical file, which means there's no action that you can take on it. You can search things, et cetera. It's just a scanned digital version. The level two is actually digital data is available, but accessible only through user interfaces. 
Level three is the same digital data, but can be exchanged through APIs. Level four is where digital data exists. It is uh, It can be exchanged electronically and is also digitally signed. Now we recommend another further step by saying that you have electronically uh, exchanged trusted data, which is standardized as well as digitally signed. So that the earlier challenge of service delivery delays through different uh, administrative processes can actually be reduced significantly. So that's why we're saying that having a trusted exchange layer, which is built on top of a DPI so that the markets can also come in and accelerate innovation as needed. There are no uh, you know, vendor lock-ins that you can imagine. It's an open source system. The standards itself can be taken and adopted to any new system that we're talking about. So the idea of standards is to ensure that information, financial information moves quickly between actors. And this increases the velocity of money flow from a funding agency to an implementing agency, thus accelerating development. So how would a core DPI look like, which has the data directory, the information exchange, and also solutions built on top of it to support different government functions? So that is what led us to the Fiscal Information Exchange Platform, or IFIX, which is actually a set of uh, fiscal exchange specifications that accelerates information flow between a funding and the implementing agency. So through IFIX, what we want to achieve is standardized format of information, which is real or near real time, depending on how close to source the information is captured, and uh, have this exchange bring in information in a timely manner, increase the speed of information that is being exchanged, make it comprehensive, which means the entire set of attributes that are needed are there, and thus that makes comprehensible. So it's uh, basically the idea is to have a set of uh, specifications that will enable this with the backend platform coming into action between different source systems. So given that we speak about um, information exchange a lot in the public finance world, uh, what actually is the information that needs to get exchanged between a funding and an implementing agency? Largely two sets. Uh, we have, we have a theory where we say that a lot of the work that implementing agencies do or governments do can be categorized into the three buckets of infrastructure, service delivery, and benefits delivery. Of course, there are more, but the majority is covered by this. And uh, on the funding agency side, they're looking at the PFM cycle of sorts to say that I would like fiscal information coming in from the implementing agency, as well as the information on service delivery. So in essence, what have we spent and what has it bought on the ground? So these are the two sets of information that a funding and an implementing agency usually exchange. So how do we then introduce the concept of standards here, right? So we see uh, these, um, we see the set of information being exchanged as a series of fiscal events. So when we say fiscal events, we have about eight fiscal events defined currently. Um, so I'll just go into definitions for a brief moment, not for all, but just to give you an idea. So for example, we see demand, right? A demand fiscal event basically has the set of information uh, contained in it regarding to any uh, request for transfer of money or payment into a government account. And correspondingly, the receipt basically says that the transaction has been initiated. Or a bill is something that is 
an event for the transfer of money out of a government account and uh, the payment is the transaction initiation for it. So without going into too much detail, the idea is to have events which are well-defined and will have a set of attributes uh, in the IFIX platform itself that can then basically write onto the common data registries, the master data registry. Of course, these registries will have uh, you know, uh, clear principles that will be followed. They are, there are well-defined registry principles that will be uh, followed and maintained at all points in time because fiscal events that we say, as soon as a service event happens, it triggers a fiscal event and that writes onto the master data, which can then be accessed by funding agencies. So depending on whether there's a health department, there's an education department, there's a public works department, whoever alters through fiscal events, the master data, it will be available for all the actors who have authorization to access it. So this is, uh, in a nutshell, how we are reimagining uh, real-time data availability so that uh, the PFM processes can actually flow in a seamless and efficient manner. So going into further detail on uh, how we define the specifications for the standards for exchange of what we call the fiscal events approach. So like I said, there are uh, a set of draft events that we have, we have currently about eight, but they are by no means exhaustive. Uh, these will evolve, but the idea is to have the number of events as uh, limited as possible so that the standardization actually has an effect and reduces the administrative burden, et cetera. So a fiscal event basically uh, is, it exchanges information much like email systems uh, talk to each other or the exchange information, right? There is the draft structure would ideally have something like a header which says that uh, the health department is the sender of this fiscal event and the receiver of the fiscal event is finance department. So let's say that this is a bill that has to be processed for payment. Uh, then it goes into the event header itself that actually talks about what type of event this is. So there is basically a need for payment of money. So there's a bill that is being raised and then a corresponding payment has to be made against that. Uh, in cases, there can actually be linked events as well. So an estimate can link to an eventual bill that is being sent to the finance department for payment against that. So the event header has, what is the draft event type? What is the event time? So that we know that there's, uh, we can pinpoint actually if it has been tampered with and also, the linked events that go with it. And then there are uh, well-defined attributes for each fiscal event, which could be on the likes of uh, who is the entity that is uh, creating the event, who is the entity that has approved, uh, what is the amount if it's a bill, or what is the source of fund from which this bill will be paid. It can also be followed up with additional attributes, uh, but the idea is depending on who uh, are the agencies between whom the information is being exchanged, we have a common set of attributes that have to be followed, but there's also a possibility of having additional attributes if available with the uh, department that is generating the information or sharing with the other department. It also has an audit trail and any other fiscal messages that can go along with it. So when you imagine the process over the uh, uh, 
across the different stages as events. And then the events actually have the information or attribute that is used to write onto the common master data with the necessary authorization and permissions. Then what funding agencies actually will be able to look at and pinpoint is to say that uh, I know why my money has been spent. I know who is spending it, where the money is being spent and what is the objective of it, who has received it, who has provided the funds, who are the actual beneficiaries. So the ability to drill down and uh, decouple different elements of your chart of accounts typically. So say go from a hierarchical to a multi-dimensional chart of accounts is actually possible when we have uh, the IFIX layer in between different systems. So uh, IFIX basically helps connected systems to exchange information with each other without actually having to go through a point-to-point -point cumbersome expensive integration. So if you have N different systems in a given government context, it's not N by N integration, it's actually N by one through IFIX. Um, at this stage, it's actually very critical to call out that uh, IFIX by no means is a replacement for any of the existing financial systems, but it actually needs the existing financial systems and coexists with them as an added layer of coordination and visibility. So the idea of N by N versus N by one, which I mentioned earlier, is possible through IFIX. And given the kind of information that will come through from uh, different departments when IFIX is deployed, the idea is to see how uh, administrators at the state level or the union level start looking at fiscal sustainabilities or having the right information to be able to forecast revenue and expenditure. Because today, a lot of places, what happens is budgets are usually incremental, uh, incrementally planned in nature. So there's like a small percentage increase in terms of what the number was previous year. But now with better information available, the ability to budget uh, better would be possible and thus forecasting revenue and expenditures would be possible. Like I mentioned earlier that if uh, a bill has to be paid and an estimate was approved and a fiscal event actually exists, it will tell the finance department that six months down the line, this public work is expected to be completed by this department and the outlay of this much, so many dollars has to be uh, readied at that point in time. And this helps them manage cash a lot, a lot better as well. Other things like fraud detection or anomaly detection, monitoring health of programs and how they're functioning, all of that is also possible based on how we define the fiscal events and what attributes flow in through them. So if we look at it, in essence, what happens is uh, we're looking at visibility and coordination through ethics, right? So as more and more departments or agencies onboard on ethics, we will also have uh, the execution pace improving, as well as the cost of coordination coming down, because uh, IFIX will enable interoperability between existing systems through IFIX adapters that can be built. It, uh, it needs no change to the existing system whatsoever. It also uh, helps flow of information in a seamless manner, thus bringing in the right level of visibility as necessary for the different actors. And with this visibility, the ability to slice and dice information based on uh, what's happening in a particular location or what is happening in a particular scheme or program, that is also possible. And thus the planning, budgeting, and also different processes across the society can actually be streamlined better. So this is uh, how the standards are actually imagined in terms of what we want to achieve. Yeah, the idea is to have information exchanged in a more seamless manner. And this is how the facilitation of that happens. Now, given that, uh, 
we've spoken about the standard. There are a set of uh, fiscal events that then write onto the common master data that goes across different systems. Um, have we actually been able to show this in action uh, in an Indian context? So we've done that in two particular uh, exemplars. First one is in uh, Punjab. So in the state of Punjab, which is a subnational government, like I said earlier, uh, we work with the following set of actors, right? So there's a citizens, there are citizens, there are uh, rural uh, local bodies who are in charge of water supply and sanitation in the villages. There's a department of water supply and sanitation who has a mandate of ensuring that the rural local bodies function as a self-government and are fiscally resilient. And there's the power corporation and the finance department. So when we look at the challenges at each stage, citizens have trouble with uh, unreliable quality of water. Uh, the duration of water is not something that they can rely on. So uh, that poses a challenge for the rural local bodies who are actually then not able to realize their revenues properly. And thus uh, their expenditures pile up, right? So they're not able to collect adequate user fee. And the department actually has no visibility on what their fiscal position is like at any given point in time, which means that how do they execute on their mandate, right? To ensure that they function as self-government. The power corporation um, has bills raised against each GPWC for delivery of water. Normally 60% of their monthly uh, expense is electricity. And for the electricity, the power corporation, the electricity bills piling up without being paid was a big challenge. And since water is a political subject, the finance department will end up having to get involved uh, and say, this outstanding amount of money will be paid for by us. So this continuously led to uh, fiscal shocks at the end of the year for the finance department. So how did we uh, address this lack of visibility, right? We have a revenue and expenditure management application called Mgram Seva, which is built on the digit platform. So we've supplemented IFIX with the revenue and expenditure management application. There are four fiscal events currently being pushed from the transactional system to IFIX platform. This is demand is basically the bill raised in a consumer's name, which is the user fee that they have to pay. Receipt is once the payment is done. So it is against the collection of this demand. Bills are basically the expenses that the rural local body incurs. So those set of attributes are captured through IFIX onto the system itself and uh, basically the payment against these expenses. So like I said, electricity is 60%, but they also pay salaries, they pay maintenance uh, fees or operations in terms of ensuring uh, that, you know, the pumps are working, the pipelines are without any leaks, et cetera. So for delivering water, they have a set of expenses and payment against those bills are tracked here. So all this information from Mgram Seva through standardization, with the right set of attributes are actually pushed to the IFIX platform from where they're queried by the fiscal dashboards. These dashboards in essence are for uh, the district and the water department administrators who can then look at how fiscally resilient these villages are. Are they able to uh, you know, maintain themselves in the green? So Mgram Seva actually helps them with the revenue mobilization angle, how, uh, timely generation of demand. So what used to be a door-to-door -door activity before is actually now a one-click. 
on the application, right? So one click, all 200 users in the village, they have their bill raised and it's sent by a text message. So timely generation of demand has actually helped build and also the SMS layer, et cetera, has helped build trust among the users. And then the, the propensity to pay actually increases. And uh, with their expenses now visible on the application itself, the administrators know that who is defaulting on payments, especially the power corporation uh, fiscal events that are pushed through IFIX onto Ngram Saver, which says that this is your electricity bill for the month. Anybody who is not paid will be immediately uh, will immediately come under the scanner of the district administration. And any uh, large pending dues, the department administration will be looking at. So the fiscal dashboards actually help with that. And the finance department at all points can come in and check on whether the village local bodies are actually fiscally resilient, fiscally sustainable, and also whether they're making their payments on time and no arrears are piling up. One thing that is possible is sometimes the revenue collectors do pay, uh, receive uh, payments in cash from consumers. So if we have bank integration that is possible, we also have bank fiscal events that can be defined and thus enable actually real-time auditing as well. And the same data can be pushed through the dashboards. So this is uh, pretty much how IFIX with the MGAM Seva application in Punjab is enabling better coordination and visibility among all the stakeholders. These are some of the screenshots from the application. It's in the local language itself. So a revenue collector actually uh, has the set of consumers uh, come to one particular location, single click demand generation, and then there are receipt bills uh, that are also bills. Uh, there are receipts also that are printed and handed over to the users so that the trust is maintained. And on the receipts, actually, there is some fiscal transparency as well in terms of how much money was raised and all that. So it keeps building more trust in the system, and then the collections keep increasing. Uh, in our pilot, uh, in one particular district, we've seen uh, collections actually uh, go over 2.5 times of what they were before the system was introduced. So that is one of the ways in which how better revenue and expenditure management can actually lead to uh, better delivery of services. And also the right follow-ups can be taken as and when needed. Uh, this is the case of Punjab. I'll also quickly come back to uh, another. So we saw revenue and expenditure there along with fiscal visibility. But there's a case of expenditure and visibility that was a challenge in the subnational government of Odisha. Uh, in Odisha, there's an urban employment scheme called Mukta, which has actually recently won the Ross Prize as well. And uh, this is a scheme wherein you have uh, community-based organizations, usually wage seekers, uh, usually self-help groups uh, with women, who engage wage seekers to uh, undertake works, public works projects through urban local bodies. So uh, urban local bodies actually have a major challenge here in terms of visibility on the project execution itself. So when a work is undertaken, at what stage is it at? Unless they're actually on field, this is really hard to ascertain because they have to rely on information from the CBOs. And in addition to uh, this lack of visibility, there's also a cumbersome process that we saw in terms of how uh, the entire works project life cycle is in terms of uh, initiating to closing, raising the bills, getting the approvals through, et cetera. Um, it, there, there are about 14 to 20 processes in different urban local bodies, depending on the size. 
for the community based organizations like i said these are mostly women self help groups so there's a women empowerment angle to the scheme as well they find it difficult to have uh, visibility in a timely manner on what is the status of their bills they've raised supervision bills they've raised material bills they've raised wage bills for wage seekers but what where is it what is the status of these bills wage seekers of course they have to be paid out in a weekly uh, cycle but currently because there are delays uh, across different stages and the housing department itself wants to actually ensure that the guidelines for payments are met but they don't know uh, whether wage seekers are actually being paid on time or not and if they are not being paid on time what are the delays and finally the finance department needs visibility in terms of where are the funds going for which schemes programs what is the utilization looking like so how did we address this to the standard access to learn we have a works management platform developed on digit which has end to end smart contracting capabilities this is being integrated through ifix with the state ifmis uh, there are also like i mentioned there were challenges for the urban local body and the community based organizations in terms of visibility so there is an app a uh, mobile app for the community based organizations where they can accept projects update the status of projects which will be visible to the urban local body staff and they will also have visibility on the bills that they have raised is it in processing with whom what is the next step etc so and the amount is also clear so they know exactly how much they have to get paid which is a major challenge a lot of time they don't have information on this is what they are eligible for and unless the payment finally hits they don't know that there have been deductions etc so there's an application for the ulb staff which is a web application there's a mobile application for the cvos of the work management platform itself so across the entire works life cycle all the different uh, processes are captured in the system itself when the bills are raised and according to uh, and accordingly each stage has its own set of fiscal events that are passed and when the bills get raised they are pushed directly uh from the works management platform to the state treasury system all the information that is in ifix can also be queried onto the dashboard for the housing department to be able to look at where the payments are stuck and the reasons for the payment so that actionable insights are provided on the dashboard so that the department can intervene uh, or decide to intervene as needed and the finance department also has a visibility because uh there is a huge concept of unutilized funds that lie in the system right they're called float so here through the just in time payments that we are able to make smart payments wherein the conditions to pay are scrutinized and put in the contract but after that the payment is algorithmic once the measurement book is closed so through the smart payments this thing the uh, finance department basically can pay as and when a bill is come in so just at the time when payment is needed funds go out from the consolidated fund of the state which means that the concept of float reduces and that's a major uh, uh you know game changer for them so in terms of uh, so what we've seen so far is how the fiscal events come in and basically how uh, the exemplars help using the standards to solve real world problems what is next for us very quickly uh, we will continue to reimagine how uh, outlays and outputs can be linked more and more so there are uh, not just existing uh, core finance functions but also new sectoral use cases and i'll just touch upon that a little further down 
and newer possibilities in terms of how the specifications, et cetera, can be evolved or do things like gender budgeting, forecasting of revenue expenditure, et cetera, or a financial cockpit, decision support dashboards of sort. So uh, one of the things that I touched upon was the specifications itself, right? The specifications will have to evolve uh, over different points in time. So what we're currently doing is to see how uh, the general financial rules of the Finance Ministry of India or the GFR can be supported through IFIX. So if there was a digital PFM angle to this, along with the PFM system that exists in the country, which actually helps achieve a lot. So how can IFIX actually sit with that as a compliance layer saying, are the GFR rules being followed? So uh, that is something I'll, I don't know if I have time to go into this, but the idea is that the rules can actually be looked at in terms of uh, who are the actors, what are their interactions, what is the information being exchanged and what are the formats. And based on the formats, we can define a set of key attributes on IFIX itself that can then make uh, filling up of these forms seamless in real time and also act as a single source of truth. And uh, lastly, we're seeing our uh, program expanding in the Punjab context to four more departments uh, in addition to water and electricity. Uh, we're looking at Africa to see if the health resource tracking use case for IFIX in health can actually be uh, taken further than like, through health campaigns, et cetera. We're actually having a health campaign exemplar in Mozambique next month. So eventually try and see how uh, fiscal event approach or fiscal event standards can help us track health resources better. And largely sustainability dashboards or uh, fiscal compliance dashboards, which I was talking about. So there are there is a finance commission that is set up every five years in India. So the current one has recommended that local bodies uh, getting funds will be tied with timely submission of uh, their audited accounts. So we have a digit platform going live countrywide and it has a finance and accounting module. So can we actually have that pushing electronic data through IFIX to the city finance dashboard? Because currently it's being extracted manually based on the ULBs that actually post their audited accounts. So these are some of the things that are in uh, the pipeline for us. Uh, there are a set of resources that are available online, which can be shared later on request. Thank you. Thank you, Prashant. A uh, very comprehensive presentation, and I think it gives a great overview of, of how IFIX is uh, addressing some of these challenges. Um, before we move on to Harish, I did just want to ask one question from the chat. Um, and so that was, how does the system account for privacy of individual specific data, for example, the recipient um, of a particular payment? Could you talk a little bit about that before we move on to the panel? Uh, sorry, Nick, was that for me? I wasn't able to hear you clearly. Yes. Do you want me to repeat the question? Yes, please. Yes. So it was, how does the system account for privacy of individual specific data? For example, who is the recipient of a particular payment? So basically there are a set of uh, authorizations. Uh, no, are you talking about the recipients of the payment or basically who can access data? Uh, both. Basically the question is just accounting for how does the system account for the privacy of individual um, data within it, um, either so for course, access or uh, for yeah, sharing. By, by design, the digit platform uh, ensures that data privacy and security is a key platform principle that is there. So personally identifiable information or PII is something that is usually masked. It's only available to the actors who have authorization. So there is a role definition. There's a role action mapping on all the systems that we have, which can also sit in IFIX where uh, if I am authorized to look at 
who should get the payment. Only then will I be able to actually access that data from the registry or the common master data that I was talking about. And in the case of the smart payments to the wage seekers, there are uh, accounts, account bank account numbers that are registered, again, masked on the system to be able to ensure that the only the ULB actors or the CBO uh, members who have authorization can access this information. So privacy and security is something that we have as a platform principle by design. Great, thank you. Um, so next I want to turn it over to Harish, who's going to talk a little bit about the Indian national context. We heard exemplars from Punjab and Odisha states, um, but uh, Harish will provide the perspective of the Ministry of Finance, uh, where he works as the Joint Controller General of Accounts in the Department of Expenditure. Um, there, Harish has been instrumental in the implementation of the central government's PFMS, uh, which is a public financial management reforms initiative across the country. Um, so Harish, I wanted to understand from your work in the Ministry of Finance, um, you know, how you've approached standardization. So I know you have a presentation prepared for us, but just drawing from your own experience with the Ministry of Finance reforms and with PFMS, do you find, you know, uh, the iFix solution appealing or um, what parts are less appealing to you? Perhaps you could also speak to the level of um, standardization and the change that went into that at the Ministry of Finance. Thank you, Nicola. So, uh, First of all, I extend my sincere thanks to ODI and Public Digital for giving me this opportunity to participate in this webinar. Very important topic of service delivery. Uh, first of all, one comment which uh, I would like to give to Prashant's presentation that Prashant, uh, IFIX, uh, as I can see from the perspective of Ministry of Finance, could be a very effective aggregator of public services aggregating the various stakeholders, including the PFMS, the banking channel, the agencies, then there are other authorities like UIDI, et cetera, et cetera, because there is a limitation for government IFMS or PFMS to extend its ambit beyond a point so far as service delivery channel is concerned. So uh, this is a very brief presentation. I'll be touching the uh, objective and universe of the data exchange very briefly and in the context of India, how do we perceive this uh, importance of fiscal data exchange to support public service delivery. So uh, this is the broad overview of my presentation, apart from giving the brief framework of exchange, I would speak on standardization and the brief processes, whether it is IT protocol based or PFM tool based. Now. The objective which we perceive for fiscal data exchange for public service delivery is that it should enable efficient delivery of services to citizens on various government schemes, as Prasant uh, demonstrated in the in his uh, presentation. The timely payments to the pays and information sharing, which is very critical, like SMS alert and any other type of information which are relevant for the beneficiary or agency or pay to have. But at the same time, it is equally important that such data exchange should benefit the gov governance, overall governance of financial governance of the country and in the form of efficient utilization of public money. That is the objective of public financial management, effective cash management through the information sharing and also the transparency in operation through various reporting in the public domain. Now, we have in India very comprehensive and very deep interaction between systems, and there are multiple systems in place. The fact that public financial management system, the core IT platform, which is 
acting as a hub of the public uh, fiscal data exchange, it came into being only effectively in the year 2013-14. Before that, it was existing in a very rudimentary form for tracking the fund flow across layers of the governance. So before that, many systems had already been built, were existed. So PFMS, what it has done, has integrated itself as a hub and a spoke uh, architecture with all those systems. And then it is ensuring this kind of very efficient data exchange through various protocols for supporting the public service delivery. So like across governments, we have around 28 states, eight union territory governments, subnational governments. So we have to give them a huge amount of funds are released to them, either as share in taxes, or under various government schemes, we give them advance information about all those uh, transactions or fund releases in advance through the non-digital mode that is budget documents and et cetera. Banks are very important delivery channels of our governance. We have a very deep integration with banks. They, they are also uh, enabling payments for us, collecting receipts for us, and then we have also parastatal or autonomous or quasi-government agencies, which are delivery channels of schemes with, with which we have a very deep and comprehensive integration for supporting public service delivery. So far as within layers of the government is concerned, we are, there are, as I said, various departmental portal came into being much before PFMS. So we have various departmental portals, for example, for exchange of beneficiary data. For Manrega, if I want to do direct benefit transfer through PFMS, I have a system called Manrega Soft, which is uh, collecting the beneficiary data and then sending me to validation of bank accounts. Then the payment files are again pushed to PFMS in a defined protocol, in a defined template. And then these are being credited to through banking channel for to the destination banks. So similarly, Aadhaar has acted as one hub where identification management across various users. Either I am identifying myself through at in attendance system or for taking a cash benefits. Uh, UIDA is also working as a small hub for public delivery, public digital infrastructure. Within the ministry, with line ministry and treasury and ministry of finance, there are elaborate system of fiscal reporting. As Prasant said, the information on cash availability, budget allocation, estimation, the first point of uh, the first layer of Prashant uh, presentation, that is being also, that purpose is being fulfilled through a very integrated system of line ministries and uh, Ministry of Finance in the PFMS. And as I said, PFMS, of course, is the hub in all. As I said, for banking system. Now, any vendor, and that would be relevant for IFEX, any vendor or any pay beneficiary, if it has to take any payments from government of India. He or she has to get herself or himself registered in PFMS. And that registration, we call it vendor. It is that person is given a beneficiary ID, vendor ID. So that vendor registration process has a defined template where we collect the bank banking information from the, of the individual. We get that in information validated through the concerned banks through our integration with the, that bank server online seamlessly then the payments for efficient pay payment we have integrated with banks for where we send digitally signed payment files to bank server for 
affecting the credit into beneficiary bank account. And again, the reverse information, which also Prashant talked about. We have a very elaborate system of taking reverse information from this banking channel, whether the payment was successful or failed, or what are the credit details. All these information are also pushed through banks when, whenever a particular payment file is given to them. So there is a 360 degree completion of the loop whenever I make a payment in the government so that to ensure that the intended beneficiary gets the payment timely, correctly and reliably. Now for cash payment management, recently Ministry of Finance has taken a few initiatives of cash management and the core of this initiative is that that I will not allow idle parking of government funds for longer period of time in the bank accounts of agencies outside government account. This is affecting my wage and means position because it's a borrowed money. So I need to have utilization data on real time basis of these agencies in the bank accounts. So for this, we have developed these modules, agencies have integrated with PFMS so that I can tip through their bank accounts, see the uh, unspent balances lying there, and only then I decide about the further releases. So this is one thing which has impacted government very positively in the cash management. Similarly, the direct benefit transfer, one of a very potent expenditure reform initiative of the government of India is being uh, operationalized through PFMS, bank NPCI integrated framework. Now NPCI comes into picture because we also have the Aadhaar based payment and NPCI is the depository of Aadhaar, Aadhaar payment bridge it holds. I mean, whenever I get an opportunity, I can present all these things in details. Now the central bank is also one of the banking channel for us. We transfer the sub money to the sub-national governments only through our central bank. Even the payments above 100 crore are transferred through our central bank of India. And recently, the Reserve Bank of India has helped the government of India in setting up a cash management initiative called Treasury Single Account System, where in which I am not giving any lump sum amount in advance to agency whenever they require on just in time basis, they are taking it from my central bank. They have to open some account. There's a long procedure for this, but this Treasury Single Account has enabled just-in-time release from government account under various government schemes uh, with the help of uh, Reserve Bank of India or my central bank. Similarly, we have parastatal bodies, thousands of them, which are, and so the, there is a continuous exchange between funding agency, we are funding agency, they are implementing agency. So parastatal body are autonomous bodies or societies or bodies having different specific uh, legal status. These are implementational channel or delivery channels of the government. And again, they have to report the utilization of grants in it given to them through the, uh, to the Ministry of Finance for cash management. And also the expenditure on various benefits they are giving or various service delivery they are giving. Now here, there's a gap. And now here comes the importance of a platform like iFix. I am getting only financial data from them from these agencies. I do not have in Ministry of Finance any clue on what kind of benefits, what kind of service delivery they have rendered to the citizens. And if I close this loop through the platform like IFEX, that will further aid the governance uh, of citizen-centric schemes. Within the layers, we have various systems of tax departments and then various uh, 
other ministry and departments which are integrated to PFMS for exchanging the uh, financial data on collection of taxes, collection of non-taxes. Recently, the national single window system, the one-stop uh, portal developed by government of India for enhancing the ease of doing business, that has been integrated with PFMS for seamless payment of user fee and other fees by investors and all the entrepreneurs. So these are a few things which uh, define the universe of the ex or extent of the fiscal data exchange happening in the context of our country, India. In fact, in the during pandemic period, we could disperse cash benefits, which many developed countries could not do through our very efficient data exchange between PFMS and PCI and banking channel. Now, this is what it looks like, the hub and spoke in the context of India. PFMS having integration with central bank around 600 public sector and private sector and other types of banks, around 1 billion bank accounts of the beneficiaries. These are not unique beneficiaries, of course. Then 3 million program implementing agencies all across sub-national governments and central government, all 49 or 50 departmental portals, 31 treasuries of state sub-national governments and 100 ministries. So this kind of integration we have for seamless exchange of fiscal data for various types of service delivery for the governance as well as for the citizens. Now, talking of a standardization or homogenization, first of all, we have a very standard chart of account structure inbuilt into the financial system, which is shared by all line ministries, all departments and even banks for exchange of this data. It, it sits in the core of the fiscal data exchange. And secondly, I'm talking of PFM tool first. Secondly, we have tried, though we have not succeeded much on establishing the single source of truth for information, of financial information. For example, when the parliament approves the authorization, I keys in the data of budget into, into the line ministry. And now I, we, we have developed a system where this data is imported seamlessly to the PFMS line ministry budget module, and then expenditure are plotted against it so that it gives on, uh, it gives a tool for budget monitoring. So similarly, the expenditure data, which is generated from PFMS on the basis of vouchers are going to the accounting module so that accounts are generated. And then from that accounting module, it is going to the annual accounts module so that annual accounts are comp compiled. Similarly, the payment files which are generated against these uh, environments or authorizations or expenditure are going to bank banking system for payments. Banks are sending the reverse information of the confirmation of payments and the same is also seamlessly going to the accounting data. The point is we are trying, we have not been successful completely to establish this single source of truth, which is a very basic principle of having a good automation or digitization process. Again, we also have master modules in PFMS to feed various core and auxiliary modules. Coming to the IT tools, everyone here is aware that there are API based exchange, or SFTP based exchange. SFTP basically server to server based on the uh, opening of port and IP word listing. So we have been following these standard IT tools for integrating systems and exchanging data. We have trying to standardize the vendor data uh, registration 
payment file formats we are trying to standardize. And here, the GFR format, which uh, uh, Prashant has mentioned, we have a central government receipt and payment rules. Now, it has prescribed the templates for each type of payment whether it is payment against contingency for office expenditure or it's a loan to the government servant or it is some other grants in aid to the agency there are a specific format we have standardized every format configured into pfms so that we can use it as and when required so there are a standard forms of for claims orders invoices bank statement the reverse mis which banks gives to us which, which is called scrolls and also memory um, error and exceptions also we are trying to standardize. Now, just to present in the pictographic format, this is how the uh, API based exchange between PFMS and other external system. We also have SFTP server based where we whitelist the external system server and then integrate through encrypted tunnel. Uh, tunnel. The uh, here, we have established a big support system for infrastructure of PFMS, which is required for any digitization, uh, public digital, digital public infrastructure, which is taking care of all those certifications, all those hardwares, and then disaster recovery, etc. For with sub-national governments also, we are connected through this SFTP mode, and we are exchanging data in XML format readable format and through that xml data exchange we are generating very useful reports which are used not only by the ministry of finance but also by sub national governments for getting information on the funds received by them or funds lying in various bank accounts of their agencies there are elaborate set of reports similarly with banks we have developed this sftp basically with banks we are sftp based recently for the purpose of direct tax system which is called tin uh, 2.0 tax information network 2.0 we have been experimenting with api based exchange or api based integration so this was the brief uh, on the technological protocols which we have been following now as i said um, we need to move on soon. So if you could wrap up soon, that would be. Yeah, that is the last ready. slide. So for any payment, it, the bank account needs to be validated through bank. So we have this architecture for bank validation. And we have this BizTalk middleware, which is uh, just not to expose our system directly through external system. We also have a middleware called BizTalk server. So the department, PFMS portal, BizTalk server, banks, then agencies, all are placed in this architecture. So that was a very brief uh, uh, insight into what kind of fiscal data exchange we have, the standardization we have been, we have developed, we have done, or we have been trying to establish, and also the IT protocols of these exchanges. Thank you very much. Thank you, Harish. Uh, that was a fantastic presentation. Um, I think what it shows to me is that, you know, um, while iFix is a uniquely kind of holistic solution, a lot of these um, reforms are actually kind of piecemeal in that there's a lot of different technical um, and cultural kind of factors that go into standardizing um, how information and data is shared. Um, so I wanted to stay in the kind of South Asian context and uh, move over to Bangladesh. Um, next, we have uh, Tuhurul Hassan. Um, Tuhurul is a program manager for um, access to information, commonly known as A2I Bangladesh, where he coordinates the Digital Financial Services Lab. This includes citizen-servered financial products, um, policy and regulatory reforms, uh, behavioral change, et cetera. 
Um, so Tahoral, I know that the team at A2I has been interested in the applicability of the iFix technology in a Bangladeshi con uh, context. There's even been some preliminary cooperation in this regard. Um, could you respond to kind of Prashant and um, Harish's presentations and talk a little bit about some of the issues that Bangladesh is facing across different levels of governance and how iFix might help solve some of those challenges? Um, you could also talk to, you know, what you find appealing about the, the solution and, and aspects that you might find more challenging in, in the Bangladeshi context. Yeah, thank, uh, thank you, uh, Nicholas. I think you can hear me, yeah? Yes, okay, thank you. Yeah. Uh, thank you for giving uh, us the opportunity to share our experience in this forum. And if we consider Bangladeshi con context, I think Bangladeshi, uh, like the PFM system, is not uh, much critical like India. So, as uh, we have uh, like central government and the departmental agency, and we don't have any states or other things. So, it is more uh, like easy than India. Our government is using uh, IBUS plus plus. I think you, you may know the, the integrated budget and accounting system for last ten years uh, for public finance management. And uh, still today, the uh, public finance management system, uh, the IBUS system, is capable enough to handle uh, digital payments and uh, do uh, data exchange access to uh, the implementers, implementing agencies and offices like. Uh, different uh, ministries uh, and their uh, divisional and subdivisional officials uh, can get real-time access to the IBAS systems and they can uh, upload their budgeted uh, budget. Uh, they can also see the expenses uh, you know, for different items or events and also uh, they can request uh, for payments. So as like India, we have also like uh, di uh, direct benefit uh, uh, direct benefit transfer uh, the cyber systems and currently in every quarter almost 40 million of individual beneficiaries they are receiving uh, payments uh, digitally from the systems and, and this IBA systems is linked with uh, the national payment Swiss so the government can payment uh, any individuals and any organizations electronically and the departments uh, the implementing department can also uh, check real-time data so how much how much payments they made and uh, what in uh, in the pipeline not only the uh, like uh, individual transfers also the government employees uh, they can also submit their payrolls uh, and also their transportation and other types of uh, bills uh, electronically in these systems and, and they can receive uh, electronically into their accounts so the system is capable at that is this also through these systems government is also collecting the taxes from citizens like treasury collections so uh, any people can now visit any of the uh, bank branches and they can pay uh, government payments uh, through this ibas systems uh, uh, one uh, challenges uh, the, that we uh, we have faced that uh, although the ibas systems is uh, covered uh, all the like ministerial level and their uh, divisional and subdivisional level offices but uh, if we consider the local government institutions like we have almost 5,000 uh, institutions all around Bangladesh, uh, mostly the union council, municipality councils, and the city corporations. Actually, they don't have any access in their IBAS systems. And if we uh, see the budget uh, allocations and distributions to this, uh, basically there is no options for these local government institutions to submit their budget uh, in, this, uh, in the IBAS system. So basically government basically allocate a lump sum budget to the local government institutions and according to this budget basically they spend and also they have some uh, their uh, uh, own earnings also like they collect holding taxes they they collect uh, different types of service fees like 
trade license and other types of fees that they can collect and they can uh, plan uh, different types of project according to the uh, collections of them uh, uh, collections and as well as the supports from the central government but the entire thing like the uh, planning budgeting planning and implementations managed by the local government institutions this total process the entire is manual so basically there there is no uh, digital interventions in their systems and uh, if we consider the, like the ministry local government divisions or ministry of local government actually they uh, they don't have any information so how much uh, like uh, the local government institution they are expanding uh, uh, beyond uh, from the allocations that they made and also actually they, they do not also track so how much they are expending on different um, sectors like water sanitations and others so there is no uh, monitoring mechanism for local government divisions to track the expenses or budget or plan of the local government institutions i uh, we believe that the ifix system that we have uh, we already had several discussions with the gov team uh, the ifix teams we, we we believe that these ifix systems uh, can help us uh, like to digitize the entire process of the local government institution fast. So if we can implement, we are uh, like uh, trying to pilot the IFIX system. Obviously, it, is, it will be customized in our context. So we'll customize the IFIX uh, systems and we'll uh, pilot it with some of our local government institutions like city corporations, municipality and the local union councils. And we want to see basically how it solves the problems, how it helps the local government as well as the government uh, to track and monitor and to support the local government institutions for better budgeting accounting and plan uh, planning but one challenge uh, that we may face uh, the, uh, basically the, uh, the local government institutions actually they are not interested to share the information how much they are collecting from citizens <laughs> because uh, sometimes may, maybe if they collect more the central government may reduce the allocations for themselves so uh, this may be a challenge to implement these digital systems uh, into the uh, local government institutions, but there are other positive sides also, because uh, there are different types of systems that uh, some of the municipality corporations and city corporations, they already develop different systems. Uh, this is obviously isolated, not integrated. So they are trying to digitize the whole systems. So, but if we can implement the IFIX uh, nationally, I think it will help them uh, and coordinate them with their ministry and the uh, each local government institutions for their uh, better financial management. Thank you. Thank you, Tarl. Um, I next wanted to move over to South Africa. Um, so David, I wanted to bring your experiences working on these issues next. Um, David Savage is the head official for the treasury in the Western Cape province in South Africa. Before joining Western Cape, um, David worked extensively with sub subnational governments in South Africa, both in the national treasury and through serving on the Financial and Fiscal Commission. Um, David, as I understand it, your government is heavily reliant on the central government's legacy technologies for financial management and making sure these systems speak to each other requires a lot of effort um, from your team in the province. So the problems you felt might be similar to those um, that the iFix solution is trying to solve for. In this vein, what do you find appealing about the approach the EGov Foundation has taken? Do you think it resonates in a, in a South African context? Um, yeah, thanks very much. I mean, I found the presentation very interest interesting indeed on, on IFIX, and I must say I also really appreciated uh, uh, the other uh, panelists' perspectives as well. I mean, I think in every context, there's a challenge with how you deal with uh, legacy systems. 
that are in varying states of uh, disrepair. It's never a sort of blank slate. Um, in, and um, what I quite like about iFix is it, it, it appears uh, to try and solve the problems that were standing in front of the users rather than how the designers perceived the problem uh, to be. The, um, and I think that that's really quite important to understand this to in, in, in the systems design to try and understand that full chain, that value chain of, of service delivery, because money is one of the inputs. Uh, and we also, we, but we're trying to, as Harish as said, trying to get actually impact for citizens uh, in the in the quality of, ex, of of expenditure. So you know, in South Africa, for me, where I sit in the provincial government, which is a state level government with a primary focus on health, education, and social protection, uh, we 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 are effectively a very large employer, uh, and so personnel management. Uh, at, it from an integrated perspective, but also within each of the sectors, is a really, really critical functionality. Uh, and the moment we let that go, uh, control of that go, um, the, is the moment we lose fiscal sustainability over the, over the long run. So the, those systems for personnel management for us are, are really critical. The other one for us is, uh, is supply chain management. Um, and uh, you know, that requires quite a lot of interoperability uh, perhaps more so than than um, than personnel uh, across varying systems that we have, but it's quite underdeveloped in our in our context. But I mean, we have problems both with value for money, but also with uh, um, uh, irregularity, fraud, corruption. Uh, you know, from compliance to to theft in, that that happens through the through the supply chain system at different. At, different periods and we've got to have much better intelligence uh, there and so I think for those are those are key things for us when colleagues were talking about the question of transfers uh, that's comparatively less of a challenge for us in the South African environment uh, we have a slightly different uh, transfer framework to to what's used in South Asia uh, but but it, it, it is already traceable and, and almost entirely entirely digital um, the, so I think the point I'm making is that you've always got legacy systems. Some of them are functional. Some of them are um, end of life, to put it generously. Um, and uh, how do you build IFIX? IFIX seems to be a, uh, an attempt to engage with legacy systems and complement them uh, by offering new dimensions of analysis and new, new streams of, of, of data. I think for me, it goes back to one of the key challenges I see in the South African environment, which is a trade-off or a decision point, really, between whether one's going to try and cascade from the top down an entire IFMS reform, uh, the uh, system, or much more incrementally build from the bottom up and allow a degree of user innovation uh, and responding to, uh, to user needs. Um, you know, there are, in my mind, the, the, the two angles that one needs to uh, consider. The first is that sort of systems mobilization and procurement, which has got a lot of complexity in it, and we haven't really, really discussed that. We're struggling with issues now around data security uh, and uh, data sovereignty in our context, um, but then also user, um, uh, user needs. The And I think that those are twofold actually when you start to drill into what user needs are it's the it's the actual system user 
that official who is managing a program, trying to get insights on it, or a treasury official who's doing an analysis of program, a program's auditor, whatever it might be. But it's also it's also citizens, and in terms of making sure that we're able to understand their demands, um, the what their needs are, which I think IFIX tries to get a little bit closer to than you typically see in uh, in um, in PFM systems, and I think is 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 quite encouraging. For where we are now, from a budget uh, and expenditure management perspective, and from where I sit in, in, in the in the treasury, you know, we spend a lot of time tracking exogenous socioeconomic data, what's going on in the population that we need to respond to. Um, you know, where is demand and so forth in the in the planning system to make sure that the quality of budgets is is uh, is adequate. The uh, and then also identifying risk. And manage and identifying how we respond to risk, both the internal sort of standard assurance risks, uh, but but also environmental risk, which is you know as we all know uh, polycentric at the at the moment. And public expenditures need to respond to that. There was the example of, of being able to, which we were able to do as well in South Africa, is quickly disperse cash to vulnerable households uh, through uh, existing uh, existing systems, uh, digital systems. Um, but it's much more than that as we go into a much more polycentric uh, set of crises globally. The, um, so uh, yeah, for me, it's balancing that the, the, the question of top-down versus a, a kind of user-driven um, uh, approach, um, the, the making sure that there is the interoperability that, uh, that takes those perspectives into account uh, of what we want to interoperate. And then I think probably the most important thing, which was mentioned in the presentation, but I think uh, you can't really have a discussion with, uh, without, is that any change to any system, uh, big government system, requires a relentless focus on culture, on skills, on capacity, because no a system is only as good as the people who operate it. And if they're not seeing a benefit from the system, if they're seeing more compliance costs associated with it, extra workload, uh, and they constantly feel like they're shoveling coal into a furnace, um, they're not going to be uh, motivated to get the most out of those reform programs. And what that often means, most often means, is actually governments need to go back into their standard operating procedures, uh, which are designed in a very different uh, century uh, in, in, in many cases in terms of how we go about doing business, which is not necessary to continue to do. It's not just digitalizing uh, uh, paper-based systems. There's an opportunity for more fundamental innovation in how we, how we deliver services. And to reach that, you really have to be working with uh, the, the operators of the system and make sure they're equally motivated to, to drive the change. Thanks. Thank you, David. Um, Lorena, I wanted to come back to you as we start to close out. So you kind of began the panel and you kind of laid the, laid the scene. You know, from the IMS perspective, um, there's a lot of different, you know, uh, issues that are specific to certain countries and not to others. And there's different types of governance systems. And so we've seen a little bit of this kind of context dependence, this, you know, kind of tension between top down and bottom up. Um, perhaps you could speak a little bit to kind of the context specificity of standards, kind of maybe your reactions to the panel so far. Um, and also you could draw on your experience working in the government in, in Mexico and, and talk about the Latin American context as well. 
Thanks, Nick. And um, yeah, certainly this is this resonates with uh, some of my experience in Mexico, where, where we actually had the problem. We had a very good national government system centralized. The question was, how do we consolidate the data of the subnational governments? And there we had a, what we did was to have a common platform. And then there's the, the standardization was the accounting harmonization. And accounting harmonization is not just about the systems, it's before that. And this brings me to something that David and also actually everyone was mentioning behind is how do you transform the process to be digital by design? It's not just about how do you include additional reporting, but rather how do you transform so that we start getting this data from the start? And um, and to say, uh, the, the model of, of structuring data based on fiscal events makes a lot of, of um, it resonates a lot to me, given that in the Latin American and Lusophone countries, this is a very common model of structuring the accounting systems and the standard, which is uh, uh, with these stages on the, of the transaction. Uh, we've had a, some experiences using the stages of the transaction to develop red flags on, for example, when the commitment, and, and we were mentioning about the payments, how long is a payment waiting to be actually transferred? And this can be done when you have this, uh, this, this way of structuring the data. So this is something that we did with the hackathon in Guatemala uh, last year, We uh, given that they have very uh, quite interconnected systems with not just budget execution, but the e-procurement system, the uh, vendor system, the taxing system, uh, the beneficiary system. And therefore, it, it is possible to create uh, so many uh, different smart red flags to alert administrators of something that's happening. Um, are there delays in the in the payment? Uh, are we actually having some uh, great areas in the procurement that we should look at and so forth and creating these, these alerts? Um, one thing that I would like to see of IFEX, and I, I think that was also part of the of the of the framing and the question, um, the harmonization of the fiscal events with the stages of the transaction, which would be which would make it much more globally applicable. It, the stages of the transaction are already embedded there, but with different names. So the standardization of the standard would be something interesting to see as as next step and to make it a more global model. And as I am saying, it would resonate with Latin American Lusophone countries. Um, and uh, this specification could prove interesting for cases in which budget execution is highly decentralized, which is something that happens in many cases. Uh, uh, maybe, maybe you have good local government systems, but you might want to centralize for a national view. Or you might have a municipal governments and you want to centralize at the state, state level or the provincial level. So, uh, it would be also an interesting evolution to see the integration of these data exchange with a systems with different levels of government or between agencies and when systems do not cover this role. So what happens when we do not have a system? IFIX could, could also help probably in these cases. We have seen this in other countries. We get a lot of these questions in countries uh, where 
you have a general budget execution system, but you do not have a additional layers with a the, with the agencies. How do you collect that data? And we get asked that question a lot in in African countries, for example, uh, and. The, the fact that you can have a data specification that allows you to collect structured data in a way that can be compiled into a system, it, it's actually a, a quite a useful solution. Um, think about the case of the United States. We might think, ah, this is for very specific cases. Well, the United States has a very decentralized uh, form of execution and to collect collect the fiscal data, what they did was a data specification, pretty much like what we're seeing here. And this allowed them to consolidate data from the different agencies and present it in open data in their spending spending website, open spending website. So um, if if we start getting into, into those structures, I, I do see some, some use cases, some interesting use cases uh, for, for this IFEX and similar solutions, in, even in different contexts than, than in India. So I leave it to you. Thanks, Lorena. Um, <clears throat> we don't have a lot of time, um, but we, we have received some, you know, helpful clarity questions uh, in the chat. Um, but I did want to finish out on kind of this one question from one of the panelists, and maybe you could each give, you know, 30 second remarks as we as we conclude. Um, so they said, uh, well, the benefits of such a system are immediately obvious and appealing, even for the government. How will the inertia be dealt with? Um, I think this is a critical point at uh, Public Digital. We define digital as more than just technology, but also culture, processes and business models. Um, so in this context, I'm just kind of wondering from each of our panelists, maybe one lesson or some brief reflections on what can practitioners do to help embed standards in the culture of the institutions um, deploying them? How do we actually make standards useful in practice? Um, Prashant, I'll start with you. Um, actually, Nick, one of the things that we're basically seeing is uh, for us, when we say standards, what resonates is that, like I said, we care about uh, service delivery. And also when we look at how uh, PFM can benefit through standards, we talk largely about the operational concerns that are there. So using that as the approach uh, is always helping us get the conceptual resonance. And then there's also a little further in terms of buy-in on um, exemplifying this. The potential of the standard. So that's one way in which we've seen uh, that we've been able to do, at least move that inertia a little further down. Great. Um, Harish, did you want to respond briefly? Yeah. Uh, Prashant, just a put for thought for you. Uh, in the Indian context, what we see is that though there are different layers of the government, but there is a unilinear system of schemes implementation or scheme formulation. For example, all the centrally sponsored schemes, which the government schemes for all others, are also integrated with the state schemes because these are jointly funded. So one scheme, there is a perfect co concordance between one scheme of the government and there are five schemes of the state governments. And then there are some components which are also being implemented by uh, local bodies. So if this kind of connection is exists in the system, IFIX or any other system could perfectly play the role of an aggregator. And also the entitlements and all are standardized broadly. There may be some minor changed variations in the entitlement and all of the beneficiaries. So if this kind of system exists in a country like India, 
and this a common aggregated type of system could go a long way in reinforcing the levels of the governance and service delivery on the ground. Thanks, Harish. Um, Toral, any finally, any final thoughts from you? No, uh, no, no final comments. I think uh, yeah, we are starting uh, like to use this system. I fix at the local level. So let's see. So it is very easy when you are thinking to use these types of system at the central level, like the central government or ministry level. But the scenario of local government is totally different. So let's see. So what happens, and we can share more in the next. David, any final uh, thoughts on this question of cultural inertia? Yeah, I mean, I think it really comes down always to, to two things. I mean, the first is, is leadership that can, can establish a, a vision, um, can make critical choices, and can provide the right authorizing environment. Uh, if that's not there, there's going to be halting, always halting progress. Um, and that leadership, can, it doesn't necessarily always have to come from the top. The tone does, but not, not the actual drive, the driving leadership. And the second is just um, uh, uh, the deployment of, of, of project management capability, uh, both in terms of technique and, uh, and, and people uh, capacity. The, so that there's effective planning, there's time-bound implementation, um, and you know, an awareness of, of the risk environments that you're operating in when you're doing these things. Um, uh, the, that always goes a long way in getting through the rough patches uh, and solving problems. So it would be those two for me. Great. And uh, Lorena, we'll finish out with you. Any any final thoughts? My final thought is uh, just not forgetting about the users and uh, the users who report in the system. Sometimes this is uh, cumbersome and some and the data quality will only be as good as the user's adoption. And if we don't have good data quality, we might have a great standard. If uh, uh, So just to circle back and for all the attendees, think about the users, which are not always the citizens. In, when we're talking about the systems, it's not the citizens that are gonna be using it, it's the internal users, but we also need to think about a great user experience to have data quality. Great, I think that's an important final reminder to, uh, to design with the user. This has been such a great panel. Um, I think I speak for everyone when I say we've learned a lot today and that there's a lot to reflect on, um, a lot that we couldn't touch on in just 90 minutes. Um, I'm putting the link to um, the Digital Public Finance Hub in the chat. Um, this is our new initiative to kind of collate insights around these types of issues. Uh, and so we'll be sharing more out on kind of the outcomes of this webinar, but also our future activities and endeavors, um, uh, especially with the EGOV Foundation. Um, so we've really appreciated everybody's attendance of this webinar, um, and we hope you have a great day. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, participants and panelists.